let's go ahead and get started in prayer. I'm going to dig right in. Like I said, I've had three cups of coffee, so we're either going to get done in 15 minutes or I'm going to go until like two o'clock. So we're going to just pray and dive in, okay? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for what you give us. It's hard. There are beautiful things in life you do, but there are hard things in life, but they all drive us back to you if we let them. And Father, I just pray today that you will calm my heart, calm these ladies' hearts. There's so much noise in our lives that we let distract from you. So take away those distractions. Allow us to dig into your word and be transformed today. In Jesus' name, amen. I get to talk on a a subject that doesn't really get a lot of um, attention. I don't know how many of you walked in here today and were like, ugh, singleness. You know, like, do I, you know, is somebody going to notice I'm walking in on this session? But we don't talk about singleness a whole lot. Why is that? Sometimes I think we feel like it's awkward. Some people may feel awkward about it. Um, lack of feeling complete, so we just ignore it. We always think there might be a reason somebody's single, right? Sometimes like, they're single, so we don't want to talk about it. We all know that, right? So we think that singles are okay. If someone's been a single a long time, surely they're okay, right? They seem happy. They're serving the Lord. Um, They go on all these vacations. They go shopping. Boy, do they go shopping. You know, it's like there's these great things. So they're okay. We don't need to talk about it and encourage them. We're ignorant of how it feels. I didn't realize this. 15 years ago, if you would have asked me if I would be doing a workshop on singleness, I would have laughed. But we are ignorant of how it feels. We are unobservant around us. We are so wrapped up in our own little worlds that we fail to see the needs and the trials, and I did say trial and singleness, we'll go over that. We fail to see the trials and needs of those around us. Sometimes we just don't care. I'd hate to say that, but some of us just don't care. They're single, all right, let's just go on. And another one is we get uncomfortable. None of us like to be uncomfortable, right? We all like our renew shirts because they're comfortable. They're soft. They're comfortable. I wouldn't wear it if it was scratchy. We like comfort, right? So we don't want to address anything that's uncomfortable. If someone says, you know, goes up to a single, how are you? How are you doing? Is there anybody new in your life? No. Right? Well, I mean, what, what do we do with that? We don't know what to do. But God gives us all unique circumstances and situations in life that we are to share about. Why? He has us go through things not only for our own sanctification, but for his glory. Right? It's not about us. It's about what God can do in and through us. And it's for God's glory. We would be so remiss to miss the trials that God has given us, the circumstances that God has given us, and not speak of them. Judges chapter 2, if you look at some of that, there's the, it goes talking about Joshua and the elders. Joshua died, 
And it said, there was another generation that arose after them who did not know the Lord or the works he had done. Why? They didn't speak of it. It's time to speak of the things that God brings us through. So he gets the glory. So generations to come can know the works of God. How do we perpetuate godliness by pointing people to Christ through what he brings us through, right? Psalm 78, same thing. But tell them to the generation to come the praises of the Lord, his strength and his wondrous works, which he has done. Speak of them so it's not forgotten. God allowed me to be single for years longer than I had ever hoped or dreamed. I had my corral pattern all set for my plates. We all, you know, we don't do china, we do corralware. And it's going to be my sunflowers and gingham. Now, if I'm starting to, some of you may be able to figure out my age by now, if you're figuring out the pattern, right? But you, I started planning, man plans, but God directs his steps, right? I had these plans, these desires, these dreams. That's all I had ever wanted to do was be a wife and a mom. That's simple, right? Everyone can do it. It seemed like everyone was doing it, so it can't be that hard. And God brought me to school, to faith. I graduated not in the two-year, the four-year. I was there four years. I still did not have a ring on my finger. <laughs> right? And I think there's this pressure sometimes that whether we know it or not, we put on ourselves or we put it on others that you go to school, you get married, it's just going to happen. You graduate and you feel a little bit defeated that this didn't happen to me. What am I supposed to do with that? There's no options left. So now I will be single the rest of my life. I mean, that's, that's how it feels as a 22-year-old. Like, I literally felt like my options went from, like, 150 to none. In reality, there really weren't 150 to choose from, for being real honest. You know, I mean, serious, but in all seriousness, like, that's how, that's how it feels. You feel like you've lost that hope. You're still young. There is plenty of hope. But God, what does it look like to learn to be content? What does it look like to be content in the circumstances that God has given you? When you have these God-given desires, marriage is a God-given desire. It is a beautiful desire to have. But it can become an idol, too. And God has given us, what do you do with this desire? You're longing to, to live a life in Christ Jesus of godliness, but how do I be content with this desire that's growing? God gives us experiences in singleness. We're going to walk through how this looks like fleshed out a little bit. What Tell people, tell you, be content, right? We've been learning Andy Stearns. It's been great seeing all of these things come together. Isn't it great to see Philippians chapter 4, be content in all these circumstances, right? Well, how do you be content? Be happy. Be content. How do you be that? There has to be a way to kind of get there. And so I learned, started learning through the experiences in singleness. I had to start there. I realized singleness was happening to me. This wasn't happening to somebody else. 
this was happening to me. I didn't ever think it would. I didn't ask for the gift of singleness. <laughs> I wasn't on my Amazon wish list. Click, add to cart, I want that. I didn't want it. I desired marriage. Now, God has given that desire to some. And it is a beautiful thing. Don't get in the way of that. Do not get in the way. If God has called someone to be single, God has a unique ministry for them. Don't get in their way. It is beautiful. But what do you do when you have these desires for marriage and it's still not coming? I realized this was a gift to me now right? This is a gift. Now, it may not be for a lifetime, but this was a gift for me now. And what was I going to do? No one could fix it for me. I feel like in all of our sessions, I mean, this last session, you can't fix it for a woman in a, in a marriage of a domestic abuse. But what can you do? You point them to Christ. Into my single years, God taught me a lot. But um, later on, and as God continued to grow me, I was crying out literally to my mom and just struggling, just crying. Why are these prayers going? It felt like unanswered. We know God always answers prayer. Why is God silent? I literally was like, why have you forsaken me, God? Why have you turned your face from me? I am living a life that is pleasing to you. Yes, we are all sinners. I desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. But why was this desire? Why are you silent? Door after door was shut. It wasn't always a complete barren wasteland. Door after door shut, sometimes with my fingers still in it. That happened. But what do you do? And she said, I was crying, wondering these things. And she, my mom, who was married, barely passed the age of 20, six days into being 20. I, she said, I know. <laughs> I looked at her. Okay, and honestly, like, my mom and I have a wonderful relationship. Don't ever look at your mom like this, even though, even as a grown woman. I looked at her. I was like, you don't know what it's like. I was about 30 years old at that point. Ten years passed. You don't know. And she looked at me and she said, you don't know what it's like to be the mom and not fix it. How many of us are moms? I have two little babies. They're three and a two-year-old. I get it. You want to fix things for them, right? You want to. She said, I can't put a Band-Aid on this for you but I can point you to the one who can fix it, right? We can't always fix situations for people, but we can point them to the one that can. There are a lot of perks about singleness. TJ Maxx, amen. <laughs> I mean, praise Jesus. Like, I just love that story. I, I loved, I would still love it. I just don't go there as often anymore. There are a lot of wonderful perks about singleness. I visited so many countries, had amazing ministries, dove in into, a, into lives, but singleness with a desire for marriage, and it's not being met, is hard. It is lonely, very lonely. 
How many of us realize that and know that? It's always Chinese for one. Call in again. Yep, I just need two number twos for two. No, just me. <laughs> just me. We're good. You feel like your prayers are silent. You watch dreams fade as the years go on. You go to baby shower after baby shower. You go to wedding shower after wedding shower. You learn to rejoice with those who rejoice. And then you get in your car and you weep. Because you see, you know what? That big family I wanted, I probably won't be able to have that now because of the years that feel like they've been stripped from me. You give up these dreams. It's almost, you have to grieve these losses that really you can't even grasp. You have to grieve these things. It's not wrong. It is not wrong to grieve these things. I will no longer probably have eight children. I don't have that time on my biological clock. I had wanted a large family. I had wanted many, 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 many years of marriage. It will probably be cut shorter. You know, I just, all those things that you dream and you hope you have, these expectations. And it took me a long time to get to this, but I realized that singleness was a trial. How many of you realize singleness can be a trial? God brought me to James chapter 1. In all of my singleness, God kept bringing me back to his word. And I cannot tell you the beauty of our heavenly bridegroom. I was longing for an earthly husband, yes. But I longed for my heavenly bridegroom. God brought me to James chapter 1. And we know this passage well. Sometimes you see it in a new light. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Right? When you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Endurance, patience, steadfastness. This trial, this singleness was testing my faith. Why? Because I couldn't see. I kept coming back to, if I can place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, I don't doubt that at all. I know I'm going to heaven. So why do I feel like my faith is is hanging on by a thread when I know I can have that faith, it's because I could see. That end wasn't sure for me. God doesn't promise marriage. God doesn't promise whatever it is, whatever trial we are going through. He doesn't promise that child you have been praying for. He doesn't promise that perfect marriage. He does not promise us those things. But what he does promise is that if we endure with steadfastness, we will have the greatest joy. Right? And it's hard. And once I realized that this was a trial, it wasn't something I just struggled with. This was a true trial. This became spiritual. It was no longer just a, I'm struggling with singleness and I don't know what to do. 
it truly became a spiritual trial, testing my spiritual faith. What was I going to do with it? Once I realized that it was a trial, God got, brought me through the book of Psalms. I love, I could live out of Psalms and Proverbs if we were being completely honest, but I just love the book of Psalms. And God brought me to Psalm 73. This has become one of my favorite Psalms. It's a Psalm of Asaph. We don't know, I didn't do a lot of study on Asaph, but Asaph was a leader, a worship leader in Israel. And I would love to meet that man someday. <laughs> you know, like, yes, all these, he has a way of putting words, your emotions into words. I was just talking about this with a good friend. He has a beautiful way of just conveying, that's exactly how I feel, and I can never put it into words. Like, he's like, whoa. But in Psalm 73, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but to give a little bit, we've been learning about context, right? So I'm not going to just say a verse. But through the whole, through the, I was reading Psalm 73, and I'm reading, and I'm going along. I'm seeing Asaph is telling of his circumstances that were testing him, that were trying. His feet had come close to stumbling. He felt stricken. His enemies felt like they were prospering. They wouldn't even feel the pain of anything that did happen to them. He has been stricken all day long. So he's sharing all of these things. And then I flipped my page, and my, my Bible is a page flip. It said in verse 17, so he's kind of telling the Lord all this. And then it says in verse 17, until I came into the sanctuary of God, did I perceive their end. So his, his view, his focus was on his circumstances. How often do we do that? I wanted to live. I was seeing Christ in my singleness. I was. I was not seeing Christ in my singleness. I used to work for an eye doctor, a vision clinic. I loved my job for 11 years. And did you know that the eye is the second most complex body part next to your brain? So just very complex in how it works. It's beautiful how God designed our bodies. Um, but I mean, most of us here probably wear glasses, contacts, whatever. You've been to the eye doctor, right? So you're sitting in your chair, and if, if, you, if you had to get through me to get to the doctor. So I was the one checking people's vision, right? So I get to be like, what do you see up there? Right? Kind of do this number a little bit. Doctor comes in. What do they do? Put lenses in front of your eyes. Scares you to... The pieces, am I going to get the answer wrong? You know, I mean, just was, what do you see better? One or two, I don't know. I mean, we all have that fear, right? There is actually no wrong. It's a good thing. Just so you know, they know what they're doing. But not until you have those lenses in front of your eyes, you see clear, clearly, can you focus? You could see the letters, that I put in front of you. But you couldn't focus in on those letters until you had 
The lenses. What is God's word to us? A lens, right? It's a lens. So I was seeing Christ in my singleness. Then God brought Psalm 73. I now focused on Christ. I'm not going to focus on my circumstances. I'm going to change my focus onto Christ. It was a turning point for me. It took me years get there. I needed to do that. And all of these things, these experiences in singleness brought me to learn that I needed endurance in singleness. And just like any trial that God brings our way, there's always road bumps. There's always hard things in life that will test us, test our resolve. And scripture tells us if we faint in the day of adversity, our strength is small, right? God tells us to endure. And 2020, whew, right? Tough year of endurance. How many of you came here just going, oh, I feel so, are so spiritually encouraged and refreshed? After a rough year, right? It's been rough. We have had to endure pandemics, murder hornets, I mean, what are those? Riots, looting, social unrest, wildfires, and who does not need a good duration in their life? I mean, really, what, 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 did we even know what that word was before 2020? And that's not even including all the personal trials that God has called us to. Those are all things out here, the, all the other personal trials that we have endured. God has called us to endure there's going to be things that knock us down. If you kind of feel like, boom, the, you know, when you're getting out of the ocean, have you ever done that? Where it's like, oh, the waves just kind of keep hitting you. You stand up and it hits you and you have to, you have to keep on getting up. And there's road bumps and singleness like that. And a lot of those come in the form of comments. You're not getting any younger, duh. <laughs> you, know, I, you are too picky. Maybe you should have been right? And you know what? Yeah, I am. Marriage is too long just to pick anybody, right? And plus, I want to wake up and like the face I'm laying next to, <laughs> right? Amen to that. I wanted to, I wanted to like that face. Get a pet. Okay. That's not wrong. Just be content. And when you're content, it'll happen. Are you? Are you content? Who on this side of heaven is really fully content? Right? We sometimes think that people get married because they're mature, because they're content. That has nothing to do with it. God uses those things to mature people. Right? It's not up to us to say, to, to delve out what, what God is going to give people to grow them. This was my favorite, honestly. Jesus was single. <laughs> I mean, really, singleness is not a what would Jesus do kind of situation. Like, I didn't, I still don't know what to do with that comment. I still, so we're going to leave it, because I don't know. It wasn't an encouragement. Jesus did a lot of things. I was like, I probably won't, can't do that. It's just kind of one of those, why aren't you married? I, I can tend to be a little bit, I say things like it is, you're learning. And God brought me to a point where people, why, why aren't you married? 
because I'm too virtuous. <laughs> Proverbs 31, who can find a virtuous woman? Obviously he can't. I'm too virtuous, he can't even find me. People didn't know what to do with that one. Use that next time. If someone's, if they're going to say something like that, throw scripture back at them, right? <laughs> no, but it was one of those where I got to the point of, God doesn't want to share me yet. Have you ever thought about that? Singleness is a beautiful stewardship. With marriage come beautiful distractions. They're beautiful. I have my, my, my two, I love my big distraction, and I love my little two distractions. But singleness comes with distract, or with a, a, a unfocused, you can be so focused on Christ. It comes without all these distractions. I'm his. He doesn't want to share me yet. I am his. Another thing that we have to endure, and I have to be careful how I say this, is in singleness, it can be hard in the church. I want to be very careful on how I say this. God has created the body of Christ. We are all the hands and feet of Christ. We all have different parts, different functions. How many times do we have the marrieds and the singles, right? We isolate. What happened after... After the Dury show in Ankeny, I'm from Ankeny, Iowa. I drove around, tree branches all over the place, right? On the side of the road that were cut off from their source. Day or two after the, the hurricane came through, they were still green. Three or four days after, they're dying. Why? Because they were cut off from their source. We, whether intentionally, as singles, we isolate ourselves. Or as married people, we isolate. That is not how God intended it. God intended the body of Christ to work together, right? We all have beautiful different things to offer each other. And so when we intentionally, sometimes singles will do that to themselves. That just saddens my heart because that does not lead to contentment. That leads to focus on self. Their focus is no longer on Christ. Right? And as married people, we need to come alongside and be the hands and feet of Christ to our singles. And walk into their lives. As singles, we need to walk into our married friends' lives. Be the hands and feet. It's all about working together. So we can have, the church can be, if we let it. Don't let it be a roadblock. To that. There's a temptation to settle within singleness. Uh, the longer you are single, desiring marriage, there is a huge temptation to settle. God brought men into my life. It wasn't, like I said, a complete barren wasteland. God brought men into my life. He brought several different good men into my life. There was one man that God used specifically. We were dating, and we had been going out on dates. He was attractive. He was going places. He was taller than me. 
this was a big deal for me for whatever reason. And I just kept feeling, feeling this pull of we're not on the same page spiritually. We're just not there. And so we were out on a date. God kept laying this on my heart. He had brought me flowers. And we got to supper. I was listening to him. And in my head, I'm going, this is it. If I break this off, I'm done. Like, I really felt this was my last chance at marriage. He was a good guy. He was a believer. But feeling this this spirit going, "Ah, don't know. And I felt like it was an Abraham and Isaac moment. Have you ever had one of those moments? You truly feel like you are laying your desire on the altar. And God is saying, are you going to obey me? Or are you going to go ahead and keep doing what you want to do so you get what you want? How many women, how many girls, how many guys have settled Not to say God can't redeem and God can't help those situations. He knows all of that. But how many of us have settled or are struggling with that? It was a temptation for me. I admit it. There are so many temptations. But I realized it was a matter of obedience. And was I going to follow Christ? And my decision now is going to affect future generations. Who I marry today is going to affect. Is he going to be a spiritual leader for my family? Or am I going to be running along having to go, come on, come on, come on. Pull him along spiritually. That's not what God intended. So I had to put that desire in that altar, on the altar. Say, am I going to obey Christ? Or am I going to give in to my desires? Contentment doesn't come from following your desires. It does not. Temporarily, it might help. But what does help is when you take that desire, you bring the focus back to Christ. Say, God, I obey you. I might not get married, and that's okay. The end goal is not marriage. The end goal is Christ be seen through me, his glory revealed, to point others to Christ. I needed to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ in this and stay steadfast. Through all of that, God taught me to learn to embrace singleness. Embracing singleness helped to to bring about a contentment as I learned to truly serve others and to actively wait. I'm not going to just sit here twiddling my thumbs God calls us to actively wait. So what am I doing to engage in the lives of other singles and married people alike, right? Don't separate the two. We need each other. We need each other. If we isolate ourselves, we will die. God has created us to need each other. God brought many opportunities into my life. God allowed me to work in a place I could share the gospel and talk about him without getting fired, and I thank the Lord for that to this day. God brought Jen into my life. Jen was a single co-worker, 
and she needed Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, through she saw me. How do you do it? I wasn't having guys over every weekend. I, you know, how, how, are you, how are you going through this? How are you doing this? Jen, it's all because of Jesus Christ. Let me introduce you to my bridegroom. Right? He is my heavenly bridegroom. I got to introduce Jen to her bridegroom. She was saved. It wasn't because of me. It was because God chose to use where I was at in my circumstances. It's for her to see Christ. I didn't have a lot of chance to disciple Jen before she moved, but I do truly believe she accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. And it's beautiful. Are we digging into people's lives that way? This is a workshop on singleness, but you know what? God gives us so many various trials, as James talks about, right? Some of you could be going through infertility. Some could be going through um, grieving grown children, not walking with the Lord, grieving losses of loved ones, grieving physical things. There are so many things, various trials. But what are you doing to use that trial to point others to Christ? God brought Mandy into my life. And if I can get through this one without tears, <laughs> no, she's one of my biggest prayer warriors now. This woman came into my life unsaved. I personally did not think she would ever get saved. I've told her that. She knows. <laughs> she just didn't seem like the type. And through so many, so many hardships, going through things together at work, she began to develop a hunger for spiritual things. I don't think she knew it was a hunger at the time. She began to desire a hunger for spiritual things, and God drew her to, she's married. So what am I supposed to do as a single woman now? Do I do just a Bible study with her? But I didn't want her husband to be left behind. And so you know what? I had to get creative. God calls us to be creative, right? And so I brought in my mom and dad, and I got them to get to know Mandy and her husband. Mandy and Todd were saved by God's grace. And you know what? My trial of singleness, my circumstance is not about me. The picture is so much bigger than me. God used my singleness, and God uses our trials. But it's not about me. It's not even about Mandy or Jen. It's so much bigger because I'm seeing what God is doing through Mandy now, and I cannot even look at her without crying sometimes. To see her heart and zeal for the Lord because of what God has done in her heart. She has, it's amazing to see because she wants it to go back to Christ, right? God does so many things. It's not about us. God allowed me to minister to singles, to Laura and to Sarah, bring them to singles events. I wasn't, I was no longer going, I didn't think I'd eventually meet a man at a singles event, right? It's actually where God had me meet my husband. But it was through bringing Sarah and Laura even to these singles events to, you know what, I need to encourage my single friends in this. They're younger, they're coming alongside. What am I going to do? Be that Titus 2 woman, right? Teach them along the way. What have I learned? What have I fallen in? How can I help you? So I brought them to a singles event so they could start learning and growing. And their singleness and what I've been walking through. God did allow me at that singles event to meet my husband. 
It's just really cool how all that worked. But I also had to learn in my singleness to be humble, to share my desire for marriage. So I had to embrace it by learning to share it. I think so often, and I don't speak for every, every single, but you feel there's a sense of failure. If you're not married, there's so, you've somehow failed, right? Um, maybe God's making a mistake. Maybe I'm, I have this hope and this dream, and I'm the only one that didn't get the memo. It's not going to happen. There's all these fears. I mean, you've already gone through the, I'm not godly enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm too tall, too short, too big, too small. You've gone through all of those things in your head already. I can guarantee it as a single person. It's none of those. Yes, we all have things to work on. But it's not about those things. I had to learn to humble myself small groups of women to confide in prayer warriors. We're not meant to do life on our own and say, you know what? I long for marriage. I desire it. Pray with me not to settle. I could have put on a nice pair of jeans, red stilettos and a black top, and I knew where to go to find attention. That's what I was wanting. I could get it, right? You put on the right clothes, you go to the right place, you're going to get it. I didn't want that, though. It was a temptation sometimes. That's not what was going to bring me contentment. That's not what I wanted. So enlisting prayer warriors to help ease that burden. God grew me through my experiences in singleness, brought me back to Scripture God drew me through learning to endure as a soldier. I think sometimes as women, we don't feel like we're soldiers. We are. Don't be a spiritual weenie. <laughs> put, on your, put on your boots, military boots, and dig in. There's a lot of what we face, spiritual battles. They can be physical, but they can become spiritual. Put on those boots, dig in, and don't give in. Stay steadfast. What does James want? That endurance may have its perfect work right? We do it to endure because then that the testing of our faith produces all of these things. We need to endure though. But now we can encourage others. We can embrace singleness. We start serving more, truly focusing on Christ. And now we can encourage others in their singleness, my singleness. So whether you're married or whether you're single, you can encourage others in their singleness. As a married woman, what do you do? Have singles over. Invite them into your lives. Our lives are messy. I have my single friends over, diapers all over the place, you know, toys all over, reading the book, I Love You, Stinky Face to My Children. You know, and they're just, it's messy. Got to get up, go take so-and-so to the bathroom, come back, have that cold cup of coffee. Have them over, invite them into your life. Ask specific questions. Not just how are you doing, how was your day. If you get to know and if you walk with someone long enough, and this is why I don't think we ask, we don't want to walk with these people on their journey. Kind of pop in here, pop back out. Oh, we'll pop back in. We're not walking alongside of them, helping, engaging them in this 
trial. And so we don't know what to ask sometimes. So I think the more you get to know that, you know what to ask. Dive into their lives. Hey, is there anybody new I can pray for in your life? Is there anybody new? I longed for people to ask me that. The answer was usually no. But you know what? The fact that they asked showed they cared. Right? The fact that they asked showed they cared. We need to dig into people's lives that way by asking questions. We need to listen, not for the sake of offering advice. There is time for that. Listen, be that shoulder to cry on. Have them be their prayer warrior. Tell them you're going to pray for them and do it. Text them. We live in a day and age, there's no reason why somebody should not know you're praying for them. The same prayer warriors that were when I was single texting me all morning, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. Those same prayer warriors, whether I was single, whether I was married. So does it really matter if I'm single or married? No, because we've developed relationships that are so focused on Christ, right? But tell them, engage with these prayer, have them be prayer warriors, become a prayer warrior and engage in this. Even in Exodus 17, with the battle of Amalek, Aaron and Hur, when Moses went up to lift his hands and when we pull it down, we know that story. His arms got weary and tired, right? So Aaron and Hur were there to help lift, right? We need to be that for each other. We need to be that for each other. Joys are doubled when we share them, but burdens are cut in half. It's heavy sometimes. No one was shoveling my lawn, even the physical, no one was shoveling for me. No one was taking care of my car for me. No one was taking out the trash for me. And those are just physical things. We're not talking everything else. Bear those burdens with your singles. And if you're a parent, man, I couldn't have done it without my parents. Bear that burden with your babies, right? God calls us to do that as parents. We may not be able to fix it for them, and we desire that, but walk alongside of them and help them and be that prayer warrior. Thoughtful acknowledgments go a long way. A text, a knowing look. Sometimes I would joke to to my mom or to others, don't look at me, I'm going to cry. Those knowing looks can kind of get us into those situations. A word, a text, check in with them. Hey, you get back okay? No one knew if I was laying on the side of the road. I mean, these are all just practical ways that I don't think we always think about. Birthday texts, happy birthday, do something special. Because you know what? Sometimes you grieve as a single. I'm another year older, and God still didn't answer my prayer. And it's hard. You see another year of your biological clock ticking, And it gets hard. Encourage that way. Give a hug. Give a hug. Sometimes there needs to be that physical touch. My dad would come alongside me. He'd give me a hug. He'd put his hand on my shoulder. And honestly, when he died, I'd just melt. (laughs) I, I didn't often know that I needed that that badly. But do that. And involve yourselves in their lives. And when you do that, you as a single, you as a married person, 
Well, start learning to be content. Why? Because you are focusing on Christ. These are practical ways on what you can do in someone's life. And as a single worker, how do you work towards singleness? You use the experiences God has given you, whatever trial that is, whether it's singleness, whether it's whatever it is. Use those experiences to draw you into the most intimate relationship with Jesus Christ you have ever had. You run with endurance, the trial, the testing. You embrace it with joy. That takes a while. That doesn't mean I always walked around with a smile on my face. And honestly, I'm good at just smiling. People did not know I was struggling on the inside. I got in my car and I'd pound my fists like, Lord, why is this so hard? to rejoice with others. And then I come back to Christ. And we learn to encourage others in their trial, with their trial, come alongside of them. The end goal of all of this is not marriage, but it is the glory of Christ to be seen in and through your trial. What he can accomplish in and through your trial God did bring me a wonderful man, and I did not settle. Praise the Lord. I love that man dearly, but that was not the end goal. It's contentment in Jesus Christ, and how you get there is by focusing, not just seeing him, but focus with an intended focus through the lens of Scripture on what he has for you. God has so many different graces in our life. We have saving grace. We have God's sufficient grace for trials. But we also have God's uncomfortable grace. Those trials, those hard things in life are uncomfortable. They hurt. They're hard. They're painful. But do you know what? That is evidence of God's grace in our life. He could just lead us to our own devices. And just like, you know what? I don't need to use you. I don't need your trial. I don't need to use this. Prone to wander, Lord, we feel it, right? We are so prone to wander, so God has to do things that will bring us back to focus on him. And that's his grace in our life. These hard things are his grace. And what are we going to do with that? Philippians 4, we've gone over today. I feel like I don't even have to touch on it because Andy did such a wonderful job, and I feel like I might mess it up. You know, but Philippians chapter 4, turn in your Bibles real quick, and then we'll end here. We learn by repetition, right? We're going, to be, we're going to read this through again. And for sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but we know the context is contentment, right? Not that I speak in respect of want, for I learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am in. Right? I know how to get along with the humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled Going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So is it possible to have contentment while still having a desire? The secret of being being filled and going hungry. Do you think he felt those hunger pains? You think he felt that a little bit? Just because he was content in Christ didn't mean he felt those hunger didn't feel those hunger pains. But you know what? He was content because he knew the God who was in control of those hunger pains. Right? We need to relinquish that control back to Christ 
and say, God, I can be content in you because of these circumstances. I feel this desire, this God-given desire, but I can come back to you and be content. I'm going to read to you um, Hudson Russell Davis. It's, a, it's called Content But Not Satisfied. I recommend this to any single person. Um, I feel like he's the another version of Asaph almost, except obviously this is not God's word. Um, great book on just kind of saying how what you're feeling. And he talks about contentment as this. Uh, let me see. I am rich beyond measure and content, but I would be a liar if I said I have all I want. I am content, but I'm not satisfied. While I do not always live as though it were true, I have a better understanding today of what it means to be content in any and every situation, Philippians 4.11. But my heart's desire is still unmet. I have an unfilled hunger and a deferred dream. I am content in my circumstance, but not satisfied with my circumstance. I am convinced that contentment does not exclude all desires and wants. Contentment does not demand happy smiles in the face of pain. That's hypocrisy. Contentment demands faith and trust. In a God who is faithful and trustworthy, contentment is peace in the midst of hunger. Contentment is an expectant certainty that despite the hunger, we know he will indeed provide our daily bread. Right? We can hope for a husband. We can hope for you fill in the blank. We can hope for those things, but when it's our hope, our hope is in those things, we will never be content. We have to make God our contentment. And God uses so many different circumstances to draw us and to bring us to, those, to that place. God did this in my life and in my single years. I wouldn't trade those years for anything. I've been married to my husband for four and a half years. Now we have two babies, a three and a two-year-old. Sometimes we feel like we're on the old side of things. Two seniors, two children. It's a discount, right? You know, but it's, I, we feel like sometimes those years are like, Lord, if we would have been married here. But you know what? God did such an amazing work on my husband during those years. I wish, oh. If he could get up here, share his story, you guys would be bawling your eyes out. (laughs) But it is an amazing story of God's beauty and grace. Don't forget the single men. They're hurting too. Don't forget that. I think sometimes we think of singleness and we just think, and especially as moms, but we need to remember our sons. They long for this. They want to do the right thing, but we think guys are tough. They're okay. They're hurting. They long to be married. A lot of them do. Wanting God's best, encourage them not to settle. Encourage them to wait for God's perfect timing and to fine-tune their relationship with Christ and to bring that into focus. God only brings contentment through Jesus Christ. That is the only way. It's, the end goal is not what we have prayed for. What we think we need is what God knows we need and for his glory. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your love and your faithfulness in our lives. God, that we use different circumstances in each of our hearts to draw us into intimate relationships with you. And we'd be remiss to praise you and thank you for the glory 
for your glory and your grace in our lives. Father, I pray that we will live each day, each moment, each trial, and be good stewards of. We need to be good stewards of the trials you bring us. Father, help us to bring it all back to you. In Jesus' name, amen.